We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As you may know, Michigan Supreme Court is allowing, and this is the most disgusting headline of the year so far from the Washington Post, is allowing Donald Trump to appear on the 2024 ballot. Now, I've spoken about this before, how disgusting it is that a newspaper would write such a communist headline, right? Allowing Trump to appear on the ballot. It's not the job of the government to decide who our candidates are. I've said that before over and over again. That's what dictators and tyrants do, right? They allow you to vote for someone like Vladimir Putin and no one else, or Kim Jong-un and no one else, or Fidel Castro and no one else, right? They don't allow for people that the government doesn't pick to be in charge of the government. That's what fake elections look like. And this is what fake elections sound like, more importantly. What you're listening to now and what you're witnessing in this country is a communist, socialist, Marxist media putting out propaganda on behalf of those in the government that they support, which is the Biden regime. When they write headlines like Michigan Supreme Court allow it, allows Trump to appear, you know we've lost this country and it's under attack. Now, thank goodness Donald Trump's name is going to appear on Michigan's primary ballot. The fact that I'm even having to have this conversation is also insane. But Colorado and other states are still going all out anti-democratic trying to tell you who you can vote for who you even should have the option of voting for. Take a listen to this. Kaylee McEnany talking about this right now on Fox News, and it was a very interesting conversation that she had with Weisenberg. Listen carefully. Russia's giving the angle a serious case of deja vu after it's now banning an anti-war candidate from challenging Putin. The Electoral Commission voting unanimously to reject an independent candidate's candidacy just three days after her application, citing 100 mistakes on her forms. Because that's what happens in autocracies. That's what happens in dictatorships. In fact, the Electoral Commission in Russia acknowledged that 29 people have filed to run for the Russian presidency, but just one candidate is actually able to register. I wonder who it is. That's right. 
Putin. Meanwhile, here in the United States and Colorado, in a four to three ruling, justices declared Donald J. Trump ineligible for the ballot, citing Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Now, to be clear, this is an 1868 amendment that was passed in the wake of the Civil War. It's been used only a handful of times to go after Confederates. But bring in Donald J. Trump and let's delegitimize him from the bench with a novel and bogus legal theory. The ruling sure to be appealed to the Supreme Court, but is it yet another attempt at election interference? First, it was Russian collusion, then two impeachments, then the so-called unverified Hunter laptop. Oh, wait, they verified that one. And then you got the four indictments and now disqualification from the ballot. Sensing a pattern? I certainly am. And if you think you could just write in Donald J. Trump, well, think again. The Colorado decision reads the secretary may not list President Trump's name on the 2024 presidential primary ballot, nor may she count any write-in votes cast for him. That sounds like Russia, not the United States of America. Joining us now is former Deputy Independent Counsel and Fox News contributor Saul Weissenberg. Saul, I, I mean, you can't even write in the guy's name. I, what's going on here in the Supreme Court? What do you think is the trajectory to hopefully overturning this? Well, I think the Supreme Court is going to take the case, and uh, I think they're going to reverse the Colorado Supreme Court fairly quickly. Fairly quickly. So do you think, you know, history serves, you have all of these 5-4 decisions, very narrow. Do you think we could see a 9-0 reversal? Some of those justices move over. I, I would certainly like to see that, Kayla. You, you know, they're going to have to look at a lot of things this term that relate to President Trump. They're going to ha- I think they're going to take a look at presidential immunity in the context of criminal prosecutions. Uh, I think they may take a look at the gag order. And I think it's very important that they try to decide this uh, with as much unanimity as they can. And I really think this will not be a particularly close decision. Uh, the This section of the 14th Amendment that the Colorado Supreme Court utilized, the majority, is simply not self-executing, in my view. And that was the position of the then Chief Justice of the United States, Salmon Chase, in 1869, less than one year after the 14th Amendment was ratified. I don't see this as much so much as an issue of election interference, though it is, as another example of Trump derangement syndrome this time in the judiciary. And, and I, I point out, I say this not as a political supporter of President Trump. I've never politically supported President Trump, but these efforts are very, very disturbing and they're very anti-democratic. And, you know, I, I would love to know your theory on this, but I've heard other legal analysts say, and, and you know this, you know, I went to law school, textualism, you look at history, you look at precedent, and a lot of folks say there's a reason the president isn't listed in this section. They list all these other office holders, but they don't list the president. And you read that with intention. By design, our founders thought about each and every single word. So do you think this Section 3 of the 14th Amendment even applies to a former president? You know, that's very much disputed. I think there are good arguments on both sides. It's certainly not clear to me that it does apply to the president. And then if it's not clear, as you know, if the text isn't clear, then you get to go to history and structure and things like that. So some of these questions are close on this issue of what the clause means. But to me, the critical, the critical thing, which was uh, discussed in one of the dissents, I, I believe it was Justice Santor uh, or Sam Dorr, 
who focused on Henry Griffin and the fact that this is not self-executing. What that means is Congress must put teeth into this section of the 14th Amendment. Congress must say, here is how we are going to enforce this disqualification clause. Now, they did that. Uh, They passed the criminal law. It's still on the books. Uh, 18 U.S.C. 2383. Jack Smith did not indict President former President Trump for that. So that's one critical thing. It's not a self-executing portion of the 14th Amendment. And two, you have to provide due process. Uh, You have to provide due process to somebody that you're going to take off the ballot. And the process provided here was an absolute joke. President Trump's people didn't have the right to subpoena documents. They didn't have the right to subpoena witnesses. Uh, There was not a fair trial in any sense of the word here. No, no due process, not self-executing. Fascinating analysis. Saul, thank you. You you listen to his words there, right? Maybe not the most entertaining way of putting it, but they're important words nonetheless, which is why I wanted to play it for you. This is a man that's explaining how our Constitution works, how the program works, how all of this is supposed to actually work. And what you heard from him is, you have people that are trying to do exactly what they just did in Russia. Oh, you, you, you can't be on the ballot for these reasons. We're going to take everybody off the ballot that we don't like. That's what we're going to do. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, 
and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never seen before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even David Schoen on CNN said this about removing Trump from the Colorado ballot, talking about how bad it would be and, and, and saying you can't do this in a democracy. Now, again, this is on CNN. All right. Listen carefully. To what he had to say. There have been a handful of key points that people who don't believe this will carry the day uh, point to. What do you think is the most effective argument for Trump's legal team when they do appeal? That's a great question. And you're right. You know, you even see Trump haters saying now this is just terrible. It's a it's a, a abuse of the political process in a sense. I think the most important point probably is that it doesn't apply to president. If you look at the language of the uh, you know the text of the language in section three, they had an opportunity to say president. They didn't. The Colorado court uh, focuses on a discussion between two members of the, uh, of Congress at the time. I don't think that carries the day. And I think uh, you know ultimately the substantive issue is. We don't take away the right to vote and the right of a candidate to stand for election under the First and Fourteenth Amendments based on a finding by a single state judge on insurrectionism. They, again, they had the chance to charge him. I think Griffin's case is important, the 1869 decision that says you need federal legislation to effectuate uh, this provision in the Constitution. And frankly, I think also Article 2, Section 1 really controls what the qualifications are for a president, 14 years of resident, 35 years of age at least, and a born U.S. citizen. So I, I think it would be a terrible decision, and I think it's a terrible move, quite frankly, politically. And that's why many of the Trump enemies also don't like it. Is uh, it not a contradiction? Let's have this thing at a straightforward election. Yeah, can yeah, I just ask, is it not a contradiction? In the New York DA case, they make, Trump's lawyers make the argument that he is an officer. You're saying in this case, making the argument that he is not is the most effective argument. Does that contradiction matter at all, or is that just the reality of making legal arguments depending on domain? Well, it depends on the context, the, ter- the use of the term officer, but I think the question's even more direct here, and that is whether uh, it applies to president. So the fallback position is, well, even though president isn't said, it's included in officer. I don't think that's a sound argument. They clearly knew president uh, was a unique office. It's a unique office in many ways. They speak about electors for president and vice president. But I, I think if they intended for it to apply to president, they would have said so. And remember, this is a very specialized uh, movement at the time in the heel- on the heels of the Civil War. But anyway, they're all very interesting arguments. Uh, did you notice how fast after he said this was a terrible thing, they jumped in, immediately changed the conversation to, well, hold on, let's talk about context here. Did you, did you notice that? Like, oh, wait, you're saying this is a bad thing. We shouldn't do it. All right. How do we change this real quick? How do we get rid of this? How do we move on to something else? We don't we don't we don't we don't need this this conversation to, to move that way that quickly. Let's just let's let's run in the other direction real fast. Uh, and, and talk about it from a completely separate and different perspective. They don't want to have this conversation because they don't want you to understand what they're doing. This is no different than what they just did in Russia. What they did in Russia is exactly the same thing that they're doing right now. What they did in Russia, saying that, that, that an anti-war candidate 
filled out the forms wrong 150 different ways and you can't be on the ballot so that the only person you can vote for is Vladimir Putin. It, it is no different than what they're trying to do. The communist, socialist, Marxist, Democratic Party is trying to do in America. You don't get to vote for anybody that we don't handpick. We'll let you have a Republican, but it's got to be a lame one. It's got to be a weak one. It's got to be one that's uninspiring. It's got to be somebody that's easy for us to beat. That's what it really comes down to, right? We'll give you a Chris Christie, right? We'll, we'll, we'll let you vote for someone like, a I don't know, a Nikki Haley. Like, we'll let you have that moment. But outside of that, no, we're, we're not going to let you have a moment. We're, we're not going to let you decide who you really can or cannot vote for, who you should or should not vote for. That we won't do. We're not going to let you do that. And the reason is, I think, very obvious. They're afraid that too many Americans are going to pick Donald Trump the same way that they were afraid that that was going to happen last time. They were terrified. They are, let me, let me rephrase it, they are terrified that Donald Trump could become President of the United States of America yet again. And if he does, he will have a mandate. The mandate will be, number one, to secure the southern border, that 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 is going to happen, all right. Like that, that's just a that that's a that's that is going to happen. Securing that southern southern border is going to be part number one on this one. It's going to matter. Uh, it's going to be what he runs on, and I think connects with voters on the most. It's going to be about the economy, right? That's going to matter too. But what it really is going to boil down to, what really is going to matter here is that you've got a candidate that the Democratic Party won't be able to control and a, and a, and a candidate that has a mandate to go in and, and blow up the deep state and to get rid of the people that are not protecting and, and running this country the right way and, and following the law. Like, this is also just a simple issue of following the law. And if you don't follow the law, this is what happens. You have a lawless society in a, in a, in a, in a lawless country. By the way, the White House lying this morning, trying to convince you that everything is strong with the economy. White House Press Secretary Jean-Pierre on the Today Show saying this. A recent CNBC survey found nearly two-thirds of Americans disapprove of the president's handling of the economy. What's the disconnect here? What does the president have to do differently so people approve of his handling of the economy? So that's a, there's- by, by the way, I love that loaded question there from the Today Show. What do they have to do to... To change their mind. Well, how about just fix the damn economy? How about that? How about you lower inflation and get interest rates back down to affordable letter level? Anybody want to talk about that? How about we talk about those basic things that you can do, the lowering the cost of goods and services? Could we, could we go with that maybe? This, by the way, is just not hard, okay? But notice they, they're not acting like the economy is bad, right? They're not doing that. They're not acting like the economy is in, it, not working well. They're acting like there's a simple disconnect, that things are great and the White House just isn't telling the story the, the right way. Prices, by the way, and I'm going to play for you what the White House press secretary says, but I want you to understand the data, okay? Prices are up 17.4%. Real wages are down 2.8% under Biden. Gas prices remain 37 cents a gallon higher than when Biden took office. So so with that in your head, listen to the lie. There's a lot there, right? We have, we have seen some great data this week that showed that consumer sentiment 
is up 14% this month, which is the largest jump that we have seen in over a decade. And what that means is that people are spending money, right? Whether it is on toys and appliances that they need uh, for themselves or for the holidays. And so that is important, critically important. And I think the second piece too is that as families are traveling across the country, going home, going back to see uh, the families for the holidays, we have seen gas prices at under three bucks per, uh, at the pump per gallon in 27 states. So this is the work that the president has done. It's incredibly important. 14 million jobs created. That matters, especially as we're going into 2024. Folks are going to probably be looking for jobs. If you think about wages going up, unemployment is under 4%. All of these things matter. So we're going to continue to have those conversations. And the president has said he understands that people still feel like it's still things are still unaffordable. That's why we're working really hard to lower costs. I'm going to work really hard to lower costs. Are they? This is the same White House that lies to you about immigration. Where does immigration fall on the president's to-do list? Listen, the White House lie to you about immigration at the southern border as well. Where does immigration fall on President Biden's to-do list? Wow. He's thinking about a second yes. term. Yes. He doesn't have a Congress on his side for no. this. Where does it fall in terms of a second term? It is a priority. We know that as it relates to the border security specifically, it is a priority for Americans. That's why, let's not forget, on day one of this president's administration, the first legislation that he put forth to Congress was on immigration reform, a comprehensive immigration reform. So it's about three years, and we have not seen any action on that. Right. And we want to work with Congress on that. And so right now, there is, as you all have reported, there's this bipartisan, hopefully a bipartisan agreement that we will get to, to deal with border security because it's so important. When Congress comes back, we hope Congress takes action on that. But the president is taking this very, very seriously. He's taking it very, very seriously. You have record numbers coming across now, not per month, but per day across the southern border. And you want me to believe that he's taking it seriously? And notice that there's zero pushback from the Today Show. Hey, we're going to give you a chance to lie to the American people for five to seven minutes. Will you come on? Sure, love to. Great. All right, so when you come on, we're going to ask you this question, but you can say whatever you want to, and we won't challenge you at all. We won't challenge you with facts or figures. You just put out your propaganda, and, and we'll check the box as quick as we possibly can. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get to one other aspect of what also is happening right now in this in the country, in the world. And, and it doesn't deal with Israel. It doesn't deal with Iran. And I'm going to keep monitoring that for you. But it deals with the economy. There are a lot of people over the holidays that were talking about the economy and how things are changing. Joe Biden has come out and he was asked a simple question about the economy and just how bad the economy is right now and how things are turning. Listen to what Joe Biden had to say about the current economic conditions. About the economy, sir, what's your outlook on the founding of here? All good. Take a look. Go report it the right way. Go, go start, start, start reporting it the right way. He's mumbling his words there, but he said with the economy, it is all good. Nothing wrong with the economy. Go and report it the right way. The problem is Democrats are now moving the opposite of that. As Democratic colleague dodging questions on Donald Trump's economy, admitting Rokana saying food and gas prices are high, along with the rent and interest rates. That's right. On Friday's broadcast on Fox News Channel America reports, Representative Rokana, a Democrat from California, told the truth about where the economy is especially as new polling data is showing that many Americans feel very uneasy heading into next year. Take a listen. Americans have mixed feelings about the state of the economy heading into 2024, and it's causing some alarm among Democrats over President Biden making Bidenomics a major focus of his reelection campaign. Let's bring in California Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna for more on this. Uh, Congressman, thanks so much for being here. I want to start off with just some some graphics of the price change on some big um, sectors since the president took office and now. I mean, if you look at gas, it's up 27 percent over this period of time that he's been in office. Uh, Electricity, 23 percent. Food, 20 percent. Rent, 18 percent. And if you go over to borrowing rates, the 30-year fixed rate mortgage is 140 percent. Car loans, nearly 60. The list goes on. So that's really what's being reflected in the polls, why people are not 
happy about the state of the economy. Do you think that the president should stick with Bidenomics? Well, I think we have to acknowledge that rents are high, interest rates are high, food and gas prices are high, but wages also have gone up. And this president has ushered in a manufacturing revolution to bring back jobs. I was encouraged today that Secretary Raimondo said, no, we're not going to uh, allow this Nippon steel company to buy U.S. steel. We're going to look into it. That's a big issue. I think the administration needs to reject that deal and emphasize bringing manufacturing home. But just does, does Bidenomics itself work? I mean, if you ditch Bidenomics, it might look like a failure on his uh, big reelection initiative. But it does to a lot of people seem out of touch. Do you think he should stick with the moniker? Yes or no? Well, yeah, Bidenomics is about bringing manufacturing back. I think most okay. people would agree about that. Bidenomics is about increasing wages for the working okay. class. That doesn't mean you say everything is rosy. Obviously, you acknowledge interest rates are high caused by the Fed. Obviously, okay. you acknowledge that uh, prices are high. Okay, so your team Bidenomics, appreciate that. I want to go quickly to this uh, news in Colorado. By, by the way, let's just stop there. I love how he's like, oh, everything's too high, but Bidenomics is somehow still working. Wait, what? I mean, it's still working. How is it still working? Like, are you kidding me? I think we have to acknowledge that rents are high, interest rates are high, food and gas prices are high, but wages have also gone up, and the president has ushered in manufacturing revolution. We are now in a revolution. He said we, he is ushered in a manufacturing revolution to bring back jobs. When did that happen? He said, I was encouraged today by the secretary saying, no, we're not going to allow this Asian, this Chinese steel company to buy a U.S. steel. We're going to look into it. That's a big issue. That doesn't mean that you manufactured a, 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 or ushered in a manufacturing revolution to bring back jobs. By the way, I'm all in favor of bringing back jobs. But you listen to the host there asking, does Bidenomics itself work? Quote, if you ditch Bidenomics, it might look like a failure on his reelection initiative, but it does to a lot of people seem out of touch. Do you think you should stick with the monikers, yes or no? Khan saying, well, yeah, Bidenomics about bring manufacturing back. Since when? Show me real and big manufacturing that's coming back. I'd love to see it. I don't see it. I don't believe you. The facts don't back it up. The facts don't adequately back up any of this. The idea that this is somehow working. The, the, I'm sorry. The idea that Bidenomics isn't anything but a disaster, not because I say it. I want to be clear about that. It, it, it is not because I say it. It's because that's the reality of the situation based on data. Based on stats, based on home prices, mortgage prices, interest rates, the list goes on and on. It's based on all of that. It's not based on politics or political ideology, right? That it could be good for one and bad for another. Okay, that's not the case at all. It's very clear. It is abundantly clear that it is because... Of a, of, of a very simple thing. He has put in policies and put in programs that clearly do not work and have not worked. That is Bidenomics, whether you want to admit it or not. That's what Bidenomics is. That's what Bidenomics looks like. And the American voter is smart enough to understand now that things cost more. The, the American voters are smart enough to understand 
that the prices are high and the reason why prices are high is because of is because of what I just mentioned. When your policies are a failure and and notice this. The Democratic Party is refusing okay let's be very 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 clear. The Democratic Party is refusing to admit that their policy is hurting Americans and they'd rather stick by a slogan than tell you the truth. They would rather stick by binomics than admit that the policy isn't working and maybe we should be doing something different. That's how little they care about you and your family. What we do know is the southern border has become a real issue for the president of the United States of America. The Texas border wide open as these sectors uh, of the border have been shuttered their stations for catch and release to take place because there's an overwhelming surge of migrants crossing. The Rio Grande has forced the busiest border sector in Texas to close Border Patrol stations so that the personnel that normally works there can be reassigned to migrant processing and what they're referring to as transportation duties, chauffeurs for illegal immigrants. According to a U.S. Customs and Border Protection source, The announcement came on Friday, hoping that no one would notice, ordering managers to cease operations at stations in Carrizo Springs, Comstock, Uvalde, and Brackettville, Texas. The move, they say, will leave more than 10,000 square miles within the sector without any Border Patrol presence. Let me say that again. This move by the Biden administration will leave more than 10,000 square miles 10,000 square miles within those sectors without any Border Patrol presence at all. In recent weeks, the Biden administration shuttered the Eagle Pass Bridge, uh, one port of entry, and the railroad bridge linking Eagle Pass to Mexico. What do they do? They reassigned personnel to address the continuing migrant surge. The railroad line was shut to slow the flow of migrants, as that is the primary mode of transportation for the group of migrants, sometimes in the thousands, to reach the U.S. border from the interior of Mexico. The rail bridge reopened earlier Friday, signaling the flow of migrants may continue unabated in the coming days. The announcement on Friday also included instructions to some Border Patrol agents and their managers that the holiday leave that was scheduled more than a year in advance may be canceled for a few employees that qualified. The sources said, as with previous migrant surges in the area, the Department of Homeland Security has not put forth any solution to the massive crossings and has left the Border Patrol to deal with the monumental task of providing humanitarian care for thousands and thousands that are arriving and breaking into this country illegally every single day. Migrant crossings remain roughly 2,000 per day in the Del Rio sector alone. They peaked at a new level last week with those numbers at more than 4,000 illegal immigrants coming across in the the Del Rio sector in a 24-hour period. Most of the migrants being encountered at the Del Rio sector, where 4,000 people came across the border in a 24-hour period, are coming from Venezuela, Honduras, Colombia, 
according to local sources. Most of them arrive at the border city on freight trains and immediately cross the Rio Grande into the neighboring city of Eagle Pass. Once they're there, there are problems. Law enforcement and military authorities on both sides of the border have remained powerless to slow the stop of the crossings because the United States government and our president is refusing to give them what they need to protect and defend themselves. So to be clear, this is a process that we're talking about right now that is avoidable. This is a process that not only is avoidable, this is a scenario that could be stopped with a simple change in policy. A simple change in policy that would take hours to begin to implement. Hours. Not days. Hours. And we have a president of the United States of America who has come out and made it very clear, I'm not changing a damn thing. I'm not doing anything differently. I'm not doing anything to stop this. This is all being done by design. And that's part of what you need to understand. This is all being done by design. Finally, please share this podcast with your family and friends on social media. Hit that follow, subscribe, or auto-download button. As some of the algorithms have changed in many of your apps, you may not realize it, but it may not be auto-downloading anymore. So make sure you check to see if it's working the right way. I'll see you back here tomorrow. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.